Amen. 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 Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus on this morning. He is truly worthy to be praised. Amen. The Bible says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, our God is truly worthy to be praised. I need some people this morning that just don't mind praising him, that got a few things to be thankful for on this morning, that know that it was nobody but God that woke you up this morning, that it was nobody but God that carried you out throughout last week, that it was nobody but God that allowed you to see another day. I just need a few worshipers on on the on the Facebook and on the line this morning that just don't mind giving God their best praise, that know it is not of any goodness of our own. It's, it's not because I've been so good, but because he is that good to me. Amen. Amen. I am so excited to be with RCM2 on this morning. God bless you all. I'm so excited and truly honored to be with you this morning. And I want to give glory and honor and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the reason that I even exist exist. Without him, I would be absolutely nothing. Amen. And there would be no me. And so I, I want to give honor to the spirit of, of the Lord this morning. I want to also honor your awesome and wonderful, amazing pastors. Come on, give it up for Pastor Keith and Pastor Iantha Brown. Thank you so much for entrusting me this morning. Amen. With this assignment, I, I don't take it for granted. And I pray not only that God will be glorified on this morning and that his people will be spiritually fed, but that you will both be pleased with me and invite me back at some other point. Amen. And to your ministerial staff and other leaders of RCM too, I honor you and thank God for you as well. And I honor uh, the ministerial staff and the leaders of my home church, the Pleasant Grove Baptist Church here in Washington, D.C. Um, I honor my husband who is amazing in his own right, but who also is the chairman of our deacon board and who is currently shepherding the process as our church um, identifies a new pastor. So please keep him and me in your prayers. Amen. Well, I believe I have a word from the Lord on this morning, and thank you, Pastor Keith, for reading the text for the hearing of the saints on this morning. So for a few moments on this morning, I just want to encourage someone. I, I just want to stop by to, to let those at RCM2 uh, uh, know uh, uh, that God is doing some amazing things. Amen. And just and just for for a few moments, I promise I won't be before you long. I'm a Baptist preacher, but I won't be before you long. I really mean that. Uh, just for a few moments, we're going to talk from the subject. Just when you think no one is looking, just when you think no one is looking, would you pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God? I thank you right now for the opportunity of life this morning, Lord God. And not only did you grant me life, Lord God, you granted me an opportunity to be used as a vessel to speak to your people. Now, Lord, I pray right now to hide me behind the cross, remove any nerves, any nervousness, any anxieties, Lord God, so that your spirit will flow freely through me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And the people of God say, amen. Amen. Just when you think no one is looking. You know, when I was a teenager, my father used to say, he used to tell me, he said, be careful. You never know who is watching you. 
And as a teenager, it went in one ear and out the other because I, like most teenagers, thought I knew more than my parents, especially my father. I thought I knew more than my father. And, and now as a mom and a toddler of, uh, of my own and several years being removed as a teenager, I find that my father was actually right about this. And I'm just going to ask y'all to swear yourselves to secrecy that you won't tell my father that I actually thought that he was right about something, but he was actually right. And especially now, that I am serving in ministry, I find this especially true and find myself being all the more careful of how I act because of who could be watching me. So in our text this morning, we find a young David, the shepherd boy, has just been anointed by the prophet Samuel as the next king of Israel. Now, RCM2, I, I want to share a little bit. Y'all are like an extended family to me. So I, I, I want to share a little bit about myself here that next to Jesus, David, and I'm not talking about my husband, David, but I'm talking about David, King David here. King David is my second favorite person in the Bible because we get to see a range of depths and layers to David. It's in the writings attributed to him through the book of Psalms, as well as those chronicling his life throughout the first and second book of Samuel that we see the ups and the downs and the highs and lows that he experiences as a man, a father, and a leader. Now, I just want to stick a pen, uh, stick a pen in this right here, and, 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 and through and through this, um, I just want, want to let you know that when you are anointed by God, the anointing cost. The anointing is not free. And we have to understand that there is a, uh, there is a high cost with being, uh, with being anointed. You can't be highly anointed and not expect to pay for anything. It, it just doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. And I think in our church today, we've gotten a, a misperception on what it is to be anointed. We think it's all glamorous. We think it's about popularity and platforms. But I'm here to tell you that there is a price you pay for your anointing. And, and, and therefore, you better be constantly prayerful and prayed up because the enemy will attack you from every side, the more anointed you are. And because he wants to stop you from tapping into the power that activates your purpose. Come on here with these peas on this morning. But that, that, that's a sermon for another day. We are talking about this morning just when you think no one is looking. But as we see throughout David's life, even when he is lamenting and experiencing the trials and the tribulations and the ups and downs of life, David always comes back to the worship and adoration of God. Whenever I talk about David and, and, and his praise and his love of praise and worship, I always quote Pastor I, something that she says or said in a class a couple of years ago. She said, we can always find David at a place where he is pouting doubting and then shouting. I, I hope I got that, that, that sequence right, Pastor I, but, but that, that's how we always find David, that he's in this place where he's either pouting, doubting, but he always ends up shouting. And so here in this text, and I need to slow down, I need to pace myself because I'm getting a little excited here. In this text, he's a young man. He's the youngest son of Jesse, a, a shepherd boy taking care of his father's sheep. 
And as I mentioned, he's just been anointed by the prophet Samuel as the next king of Israel. Now, what I like to do is I just want to go back just for some context. If we, we go back to uh, the uh, chapter or two over, uh, we see that Saul is the king of Israel whom God elevated as the inaugural king. We understand that the people of Israel, they were, they were not supposed to have a king. God was supposed to be their king. But like so many of us, we want to be like other people. And so sometimes God gives us what it is that we think we want only for it not to be in our best interest, but in his permissive will, he will give it to us. So God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king, but she ain't going to like it. So God, so, so, so Saul is the king of Israel whom God elevates, but Saul has now been rejected because of his disobedience. So God instructs Samuel to go and anoint a son of Jesse's who will be the next king of Israel. And as Pastor Keith so eloquently read verses 14 and 15, we learn at this point that there is an evil spirit that is now tormenting Saul and, and his servant suggests finding someone who can play the lyre, which today is like a harp. I think the King James Version calls it a harp, but in the NIV that I, I, I'm reading out of, it calls it a Lowry, but it's a harp as well. And, and, and they are suggesting that they find someone who can play when the evil spirits come upon him in order to soothe him and make him feel better. And one of the servants says, which is our text, which is verse, uh, which is verse 18, says, says, it says, one of the servants answered, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem, who knows how to play the the liar. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking and the Lord is with him. Now in studying and looking at a couple of translations of this verse, I noticed a few things, Pastor Keith. I noticed a few things. First, the servant didn't really personally know David. He had only observed David. And I looked in, I looked in a couple of versions just to make sure that, that I was right. He didn't know David. And actually, he doesn't even know David's name because he addresses him as a son of Jesse. And so, and second, so that was the first thing. The second thing I noticed is from his observation of David, he can tell several things about David. He can tell that David is a talented musician. He's a, he's brave and a warrior. He's well-spoken. He's attractive. And what I think is the most important piece of this all here is that the Lord is with him. So I want to pose a few questions for us today as food for thought. The first question I want to ask is what do people observe when they see you? Let, let me make this collective. What do people observe when they see us as the body of Christ? What do people observe when we say that we are children of the most high God? What do people say or what do people see when they observe us? And as I pose this question, I think about my grandfather who is now going on to be with the Lord. One day he and I, we were talking about something and I really don't remember the context of, of what the conversation was, but he said to me, he said, you can't control what people think about you, but you can control what you put out there for them to think about. And I, and I have carried this throughout much of my adult life, and especially now that I'm in ministry, because as a child of God, and as one who ministers before his people, it's so imperative to me that when people see me, that they see a person with integrity, someone who loves God and, and loves his people and 
when I think um, no one is watching, that's when it's most important that, that I'm exhibiting the behaviors and the attitudes of God, even when I'm not standing on a platform, even when I don't have a microphone, even when I don't have my Bible in my hand, it is important what people see when they see me. Now, I won't say that I'm always successful at this or that I've always uh, always done the right thing, but I'm most certainly trying to ensure that even in my most uh, uh, unpleasant moments, that I am still exhibiting the behaviors of the Most High God. See, it's easy for us to do the right thing when we're being watched or when we think there's some benefit or reward to us. But can we do the right thing when there's no recognition, when there's no applause, when, when there's no offering, when, when there's nothing that we can get out of it? Can we be trusted to do the right thing? The second question I want to pose for us on this morning is, are we giving our work our best efforts? Now, I'm not just talking about what it is your title is on your job or, 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 or what it is that you do, but anything that we put our hands to, are we, are we giving it our best effort? When we go back earlier in chapter at the towards the beginning of chapter 16, when Samuel goes to Jesse's house, David isn't there. If we notice, if we notice David is, is not there, they have to send and call for David. Why? Because David is at work. And so as Jesse has seven of his sons to pass in front of Samuel and, 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 and all of these, and even Samuel said how, how tall and, and elegant they were and how beautiful they were. And God said, no, that's not it. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. See, what we have to keep in mind is that God looks at the heart while man looks at the outside. And we can be confused that if we are not aligned with the spirit of God, and see, that's why I'm so grateful that Samuel was aligned with the spirit of God, because even when Samuel thought that he knew who God was going to, to anoint as king, he was, he was in tune enough with the spirit of God when God said, no, that's not it. He could move on. So, so as Jesse's seven sons passed in front and Samuel and the Lord confirms that none of them are the one to be anointed, Samuel says to Jesse, are these all the sons you have? To which he says, well, they're still the youngest. And while I and while I don't want to incorrectly assume Jesse's state of mind or, or his thoughts towards David, I find that sometimes it's easy for others and even ourselves to discredit or not think highly of where we are right now. The Bible tells us not to despise the days of small beginnings, but sometimes we think right now because I'm a customer service agent, I'm, my job is not that important, or, or because I'm just I, I'm just a receptionist, or, or just because I'm the hostess at a restaurant, that my job is not important. But I want to encourage somebody this morning that where you are right now does not determine, does not have, uh, uh, is not where you're going to end up. It is not just because you're a hostess today does not mean that you cannot be the GM. Just because you're the customer service agent on today does not mean that you cannot be the vice president of customer service. So I, so I want to encourage us this morning that our, our positions don't have to, our positions and our titles don't have to be grand in order for us to make an impact. But I want to encourage us that where we are right now is not our final destination. This is not where we'll end up. Right now is just a stop on the journey to help prepare us to the places that God has taken us. And though it may seem smaller and significant, there are things that God is setting up for us to learn and experience in this current place that we'll need for our next chapter. 
And therefore, even when you don't think anyone is watching, it's important to give everything we put our hands to our best efforts. My last question, and, and I'm almost done for our consideration on this morning, can people see God in your everyday lives? Let me make this collective. Can people see God in our everyday lives? And as Christians, I think this is the is an important daily self-check-in we need to ask ourselves daily. Now, I'm not talking about the sparkly I love Jesus pin that we wear on Sundays or 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 the fish decal or the um the tag that you like to have on your car. I'm not talking about the scarf that has the musical notes on it and and spells out Jesus. I'm not talking about um that you covered yourself in the word and you can you 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 can uh, uh speak in tongues through every letter of the alphabet i am talking about can people see the spirit of god in you and exhibit it in your life on a daily basis not just on sunday not just when you're sitting with the pastors not just when you're uh in church on choir rehearsal but can people see god in your life on an everyday can they see God? Can they see God in how you treat people? Can they see God in how you love on your spouse? Can they see God? Can they see God in how you treat the janitor because you're the vice president? Can they can they see God in how you respond to the homeless man that comes up to your window asking for food? Can they see God in how people who mistreated you now come to you asking for prayer? Can people see God in us? Can they see God in our daily lives? Can they see God uh, in you? Can they see God in you? Not only when things are going well and, and when we got a little money in our pockets and, and we're driving a nice car and we can do a little something, something. We can go out to the nice restaurant and not have to order off the value menu that when we go out, we can, we can, order, we can order steaks and lobsters and all that type of stuff. But can people not only see God in the good times, but can people see God in you when you are just holding on to the promises of God because everything in your life seems like it's falling apart. Can people see God in you when you've gotten the doctor's report that, that says that they've done all they can do and they can't do nothing else and you're holding on to Psalms 118 and 17 that says, I will not die but live and will proclaim the Lord has what the Lord has done. It's important that we understand there are people watching us and we don't even know it. There are people watching us. There are, as a mom, I have realized that my daughter is watching me, not just watching things I say, but she's mimicking my behaviors. There are people that we are the only Christ, the only Bible that they will ever come in contact with. And it's important that we be mindful that people not just, that, that we not just uh, put on a show when it's convenient or that we put on our Jesus pin or put on our I love Jesus hat when, when, when we know that we're on, but that when we are off at times that everybody has gotten on our nerves and we have been uh, tormented to and fro that we can still serve and honor God. Can people see that in you? Because see, there are people that are watching you that don't even know you, but they notice that there's something special. There's something different about you and they're trying to figure out just what it is. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, you know, there's just something different about you. There's something special about you. And see the people, the real Christians, the people that really, really know, they can tell the real from the fake. And I would say even the demons can tell the real from the fake. So your Jesus pen don't fool nobody. 
oh, I'm getting in trouble. I, I, I'm sorry, Pastor I and Pastor Keith. Let me stick back to my manuscript. I, let me, let me, let, let me go back. It's important that we understand that people are constantly watching us, and sometimes it's not even the people that we even know. Sometimes it's not even people that we even have that we've ever seen in our lives. But it's important that we be mindful. And it's, and, 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 and it's in those moments that really speaks to the value of our character and our integrity. That's really what shows who you are is when nobody's watching. And, and, and even if we think no one is watching, even when we don't think anyone is watching, we always need to be mindful that God is always watching because the Bible tells us that he never slumbers nor sleeps. So God is wide awake and you ain't fooling him. Even if you think you're fooling other people, you ain't fooling God. You're not fooling God at all. And, and, and when God, and I have made up in my mind that I want God to see me as somebody who's trustworthy, not when there's preaching opportunities, not when there's a microphone for me to sing. I want God to see me trustworthy when it's just me and him. I want God to see me trustworthy and how I treat my spouse. I want God to see me as a trustworthy person, how I treat a broken person, one of his broken children that have come and said, can you pray for me? Even when I'm trying to do this and do this and, my, and I'm overwhelmed, I'm trying to, I want God to see me as trustworthy. See, David showed himself as trustworthy, not only in the fields, but in the palace. David showed himself worthy and doing the little mediocre job as as being a shepherd boy he he found he showed himself to be uh, trustworthy in the fields before he ever got to the palace and like David as a result of my faithfulness in my now and my integrity to who I am whether people are watching or not I want my name to be spoken in places my feet have yet touched because of my faithfulness, because of my trustworthiness, because I have, I have decided that I'm going to live for God. I want to be like David, that my faithfulness and my trustworthiness speaks enough for me that somebody that I don't even know has spoke my name in rooms that I have yet to step foot in. And, 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 you know, when I, I mentioned that David is being my second favorite person in the Bible, but I'm sure as you can guess on this morning that Jesus is my all time favorite, because even though he was God, he proved himself to be faithful, even until the point of death. He was so faithful to his father's business every step of the way that that and that's the same posture that we have to have that we have to be faithful, no matter what the task is, no matter whether it's that you serving or whether you are managing people, I want God to for I want God to see me be faithful in everything that I do, I want to be so trustworthy that people see God in me that that people that are atheists, people that are agnostic, people that are of other faith will see God in me and they will turn from their ways and want to run after this God it is that I serve. I want to be so faithful and trustworthy to what God has given me that when he's, when I stand before him that, and I see him, I ain't got no words that I'm going to be cast away. And he tells me to, to get away from me. I want him to say, come on in Danielle. I'm so proud of everything that you've done. You've been faithful over the things that I've given you. And now I want to make you ruler of many. Come on up here and reign with me and live with me forever and ever. I want to be so trustworthy that God can give me anything. And he knows that no matter what, that I'm going to do just what he said. 
So, so we have to remember that even when we think no one is looking, we have to remember that God is always looking and he's looking to see if you're going to do the right thing, even when there's no consequences. Even when you think no one is looking, God is looking for someone that will carry out his traits, even when we think no one is looking. So remember, it's important that we be careful what it is that we give people to think about us. And remember that whatever we do, that whatever we put our hands to, that we always need to give our best efforts. If you are the janitor, clean the walls and the floors and the toilets to the best of your abilities. Let them sparkle and shine like new money. Because if that's what God has given you to do, you should do it unto him. You should do it unto him, whatever, whatever it is that God has given you. Because see, the reality is that, that whatever God makes, uh, whatever God says my position is going to be in heaven, I, I ain't gonna, and whether it's the street sweeper or whether it's going to be a member in the choir director, I'm going to be so happy to get to heaven. I'll do whatever he say do. So let's remember to always give our best efforts. And lastly, no matter what, let people always see God in us. Not only in the good times, but in the bad times when things ain't going right, when you got bad news from the doctor, when, when money is funny, when, when, when your spouse is, you know, you want to put them on the porch or something like that. Like whenever things are bad, people need to trust, see you trust God, not only when it's convenient or not only when things are going good, but when things are going bad, because you can be assured that even in the tough times, even in the rough times that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what his word says. And people need to see that it's not that you're not only thanking God because you got the job or you got the house or you got the spouse or you got the money, but that you got your faith that God will do just what he said he would do. So RCM2, I, I just, I, I want to encourage us on this morning that just when you think no one is looking to remember that God is always, he's always, always looking. God bless you. God bless you.